the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Welcome to Inside the Jets. Eric Allen and Bart Scott here inside <laughs> Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. I am not lying. The participation and attendance is going up every week, and I don't know if they're here because they heard Brian Winters was here, but the place is packed. The energy is here. I think the fans are starting to believe. All right, so we're also streaming live on NewYorkJets.com and why, Facebook. Why are we live? Huh? Why aren't we live? Oh, you're talking to ESPN Radio. Let's talk to the fans right now. Killing me. Killing me. And on Facebook, and we got a great crowd here at Vanderbilt's. Uh, We'll be joined shortly by the aforementioned Brian Winters, and uh, speedster Robbie Anderson will be here as well. Our show tonight is presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. Our world, Bart, for the next 60 minutes will be focused on Jets football and journalism. Got Rob. We are taught not to bury the lead. We won't. Let's talk about the touchdown that wasn't. I mean, I I don't understand. Um, The call on the field is a touchdown. It has to be indisputable evidence to overturn. You can't tell me that that was indisputable. And this is what you run into. You have Bill Belichick. You got Tom Brady. If that would have been Rob Gorkowski, there's no way that those referees walk to that sideline and tell that coach that I feel like the Jets got robbed and we need more respect than that. You know, we put in the replay system because we wanted to get the call right. And they still, time again and again, get it wrong. And you can't tell me people don't referee superstar players differently than they do other players. All right, so Tony Caranti, after the game... Talk to a pool reporter. Can, Here, you, can, you, give his, can you give his email? Because we need, we need to email I, this guy. We need to call his house. I, I do not have his information, you but I will, I will read his quote. It came out of his control as he was almost to the ground. Now he regrasped the ball, and by rule, now he has to complete the process of a recovery, which means he has to f- survive the ground again. So recovering it, he recovered, hit the knee, started to roll, and the ball came out a second time. Again, this is a situation. Midway through the fourth quarter, it's 24 to 14. Third, hey, Brian, Brian, you smell that? Thir- third, I smell bull. Third, <laughs> third goal from the four. Looks like Austin Safarian Jenkins has cut the lead to 24 to 20. That would have been Josh McCown's third touchdown of the afternoon. And again... We don't know what would have happened from there, but it changes the way you approach the game, right? If I have to go for a field goal late in the game, it changes the way the defense plays, and it changes the way the offense approaches it, right? So you can't say that, you know, you can usually break down a win and a loss to about five plays. And I hate when people say, oh, it didn't cost them the game. They still had time. It affected the opportunity. It took Seven points off the board. Not only did it not pin the Patriots back in their territory, if you go for it on fourth down and I get it, it gives them the ball on the 20-yard line. Right. It, it, and, it, and it's a momentum killer. It's, so, a, it's a monster swing, and there were some interesting calls throughout the game. There was a pass interference penalty on Jamal Adams, who was running step for step, 
with Rob Gronkowski. Oh, who? Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm th- and, that, and that's what I'm talking about. You've got a rookie versus Rob Gronkowski. He's pushing off. He's using his elbow pads, his, his, you know, everything. And at some point, you have to give the defensive player an opportunity to jock for space. Right. It's not that Rob is going to outrun anybody. So Jamal has just as much right to the football as he has. So if he's putting his hands in face mask and an elbow to the face to him, then he's allowed to hold his ground and try and hold his ground to, to make a play on the ball. And then there was also... Man, this is a long list. There was That's <laughs> why I smell bull. All right. I don't want to get you too hot. We got to survive through the next hour. But there was a call that you never see picked up where there was a helmet-to-helmet hit on Robbie Anderson. There was a flag on the play, and then after the meeting... The flag was picked up. Absolutely. You never, you never see that happen. That's what I'm talking about. So that means some other referee came and either overruled a referee not respecting his call. And once again, that's what I'm talking about. You have a lot of young players on this Jets football team, and they haven't established or made a name for themselves yet. Yeah. So they don't get the benefit of the doubt. You all understand? We, we all understand you get, super, you get superstar calls, and they're not calling the right. And when somebody throws a flag, if he saw it was enough evidence to throw a flag, then it has to be somebody that says, I got a great shot on it. He didn't do that. And he was the guy along, Another the, huge call, correct? He, along the boundary. Here, here's what I'll say about the Jets. Inside that locker room after the game, they handled themselves with class. Austin Safarian Jenkins said, hey, bottom line, I can't have that ball come loose at all. I got to plow through the two defenders, cross the pylon, and finish the touchdown. Matt Forte, like many in Jets Nation, said, hey, l- listen, I was confused by why it was a touchback. Is but Todd Bowles said, and this is something that you heard throughout the locker room, is that the Jets aren't pointing to one play. They said that they had to make more plays against the New England Patriots to win that ball game, Bart. That's what you say externally i'm sure in today's meeting they said we got holes and next time when we when we go up to gillette we can't pull it in the hands of the referees because we know we're not going to get the benefit of the doubt we're not going to get the calls you're pissed off but you have to turn the page you have to move forward and now i think i think they serve notice to the nfl that listen like listen okay you beat jacksonville you beat cleveland I think they saw them very competitive in, 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 in handling one of the best teams in the AFC, and I think it only gets harder from this point forward because now you won't be overlooked. Eric Allen and Bart Scott here at Vanderbilt inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Inside the Jets is supported by selective insurance. Response is everything. Again, the response from Todd Bowles this afternoon. The Jets put this baby to bed today. Um... Bart, looking ahead, now you got a Jets team that is three and three at after six games. You yep. got ten games to go. Todd Bowles said, I'm not thinking playoffs. It's not even valid to think playoffs mm-hmm. at this point when he's asked about the postseason. Said, Hey, listen, we have a lot of things we gotta improve upon. What do you know about this team after six games? Well, I tell you what, they're learning week by week. You know, they're a young team, and I tell you all the time, every, every week I come here and I sit down, I tell you that this team reminds me of my 2002 
Baltimore Ravens team with Ed Reed as a rookie, Adelius Thomas, a lot of players that people didn't know, but they found out pretty soon who these players were. I think we're at the beginning stages of a team that can be competitive for a long time. You talk about having great salary cap space. I yep. think they're proven to the management. They're proven to the coach. Maybe not proven so much to themselves, or maybe they are proven to themselves, that they don't have as many holes as people thought. You know, just because people didn't know some of these players, they weren't household names, didn't mean that they weren't able or capable to seize the moment. We see a lot of young guys stepping up. You still got, you still got Quincy Nunez, who's going to come back next year. You have plenty of cap space. Yep. You have draft picks. You have, you have the opportunity to improve this football team. But the present time, right now, you have an opportunity in a wide-open division. I think the NFL has never been this open. Kansas City looks like they're the cream of the crop. Pittsburgh goes looks like there. crap. Ben says he doesn't have it anymore. Comes and goes into Arrowhead, and he, and he gets the dub. Yep. So, you know, the NFL, more than anything, is about matchups, right? Chiefs can't beat the, the, the Steelers. Steelers can't beat the Patriots, right? So it's all about matchups because in the game and in most competitions, style makes fights. And I think that, you know, the Jets have a scrappy style because they, you don't know who to focus on, right? If you're going against this team, do I focus on Curly? Do I focus on Curse? Do I, do I focus on Robbie Anderson? Do I focus uh, on Safari Jenkins? Yep. And that's the beauty of it, right? And I, and I say all the time, right, you know, I look at, like, the Detroit Lions because I'm from Detroit. And when they got rid of Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford became an elite quarterback because the ball went to where it was supposed to go. Nobody was forcing it. So if you still have Marshall on his team, you still have Decker, then you feel like pressure to get them the ball. Now you have all these guys open, so now teams don't know who to check. And guess where the ball goes? Where the defense dictates where the ball needs to go. When you have to defend a team and not a few individuals, it's hard to prepare for. Josh McCown did a lot of good things against the New England Patriots. The Jets emphasized a fast start. They got off to a fast start against the Patriots, taking that 14 to nothing lead. Yep. Unfortunately, in between early in that second quarter yep. up until the fourth quarter, they weren't able to finish drives and come home with points. What did you see from them offensively that you liked? And then conversely, what do they got to build on? Well, I think, I think you know, uh, next week people are going to start sitting on the sticks on Safarian Jenkins. They may even start bracketing him, hitting him at the line. I'd like to see him maybe, you know, get some deep shots, you know, maybe, you know, pair it up on the same side as Robbie, let Robbie run off the deep safety, eat up the safety, and get him isolated on the safety where he can use his big body on maybe a, a corner route or a seven route, as we like to call it. You know, I think that's the next progression as he continues to get his sea legs underneath him. I think they really miss Bilal Powell. You know, Forte came in, but... Forte is great. He can catch the ball. He's a dual threat, everything that we know that he is. But I think when you have Bilal Powell, it's just a little bit more spark as far as that burst. A yeah. um, little liver legs, a little younger. And I think it's good when you can get all three of those guys going, you know, maybe be able to match some of these guys up. You know, because it's all about matchups and it's all about putting the best personnel for that week for that specific matchup. And I think Bilal Powell could have added something to that game and maybe getting isolated and eat some of these um, you know, safeties up that was you know, bracketing down to Safarian Jenkins. Uh, defensively, you got to like what you saw from a number of players. I think about Buster Screen. That's his third season with the New York Jets. 
uh, with the New York Jets right now. That was, I thought, a, that was one of his better games as well. Yeah, and I'm not just talking about the two takeaways he had in the first half and potentially could have been three. And, of course, we're going to look at that moment with the Jets up 14 nothing and say, wow, if he makes the pick there, right. you're in plus territory. you got a chance to go up 17 nothing, 21 nothing. Those are the kind of plays you have to make. But Buster had three PDs. He was in people's faces. Him and Amadola after third or fourth play of the game, you love this. He's John left and right with guys, and he, he determined that early on he is going to make his physical presence right. known to everybody on the football field. And he, he's a confident, physical, fast-twitch you know, defender, and, and you know, I thought he did a great job. You know, Amadola didn't really hurt him. I think that, you know, Gronkowski hurt the team more than anything. Yep. And I would like to see them, you know, employ. Listen, you know, I used to sit on the, on the set with Tony Gonzalez all the time. And he always said when he played Bill Belichick, they used the, they used the vice system. They put two guys on him and said, listen, you're not going to beat us. When Gronks get going like that, I would like to see the Jets do that. Whether it's vice in between a defensive end and, and a linebacker where he doesn't even get an opportunity to build up. He's not a, he's not a guy that can separate. He's not a fast-twitch guy, but once he gets going, it's hard to, to slow him down. I would like to he's see him. He's such a big body. Right. He's and, such a large cage, uh, and, catch radius. Right, and that's what I'm saying. It's his catch radius because you can be right there in the pocket, but if, you know, as you get farther and farther down the field, you have to time your jump up perfectly. Right. So the best thing to do is to, is to really make him have to go around a defensive end and you got to understand when you play Brady, it's not about the fast pressure. It's about taking away his first and second reads. And then he'll start hearing footsteps, and he'll start looking to go down. And, you know, I think, you know, they did a great job of taking away the initial stuff, but then they start maxing it up and taking shots down to Gorkowski, just giving him a shot because, you know, when you take shots down the field, three things are going to happen. Either you're going to get illegal contact, you're going to get a pass interference, or I'll say four things. Uh, or the guy can catch it. Or you could get a, a, a takeaway. Right. You know, three of those things are, are positive benefit, things. benefit positive for the for the offensive player. So that's why I say as well, you I want to see Safarian Jenkins take more get more shots down the field with that big body because I think that'll add another dimension, maybe putting him on another side and putting trips to the field where you really can isolate him against the safety. Tom Brady, I believe, finished twenty of thirty-eight. So there's not many games where you look back over the past two years and say Brady completed 52% of his passes. We talk about screen a little bit. I think Morris Claiborne is playing at a really high level right now. He got beat on one play yeah. to Cooks. Right. Brady had an unbelievable pass. That was a throw of the day. But Claiborne is shutting down his side of the field for the most part. Well, you got to tip your hat to... to to John Mellie and his staff, keeping Claiborne healthy, you know, you, and you know, he's not an old player, but he, you know, he has, you know, some tread has come off the tires, and I think they, they they're doing a good job in, in pacing him the correct way because you know it's a long season, it's a marathon, not a sprint, you know, but he's playing well early in the season. I think this team is starting to believe collectively, and I think they're starting to play like a team. I think early on it was tough because guys were trying to figure out where they're going to fit, how to fit how to play off of each other. We always speak about that nonverbal communication. And when, 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 when winners get up here, we'll talk about that as well as the offensive line looks like they're starting to gel. And, you know, I know that was a question mark for people. And it looks to me like they're doing a, a hell of a job and they're starting to have that nonverbal communication 
where you can respond and act off of a teammate just by his body language and what he does. And that comes from practicing hard and practicing at a, at a full pace. How does this team generate more pass rush? The guys on the conference call today, and Todd Bowles said it, hey, listen, we got to do a better job against the run because defensively right now, it's not just all stats, but the Jets 28th in the National Football League against the run. So that means but not, I, not a lot of third and long situations where you can tee off. Well, they got, in, they, got in, they got in a hole earlier. I think, you know, you talk about the two games before this. I think, you know, you have to – you have to decide what you're going to give up when you're, when you're going against the Patriots. Yeah. And you got to say, listen, if, if, we should say it all the time. If Tom Brady is handing it off, then he ain't throwing it, right? And you're not going to really die. You can give up a lot of yards, you know, because you want to make sure that you take away these quick passes, you know, these pick routes and things like that, you know, these shots down the field, and make sure that, you know, that he's handing the ball off. You want to encourage him to hand the ball off. You want to present a light box. But to answer your question, especially when you talk about going against the Patriots, when they, you know, we'll see the Patriots again, I like to see them take Coney Ealy and put him at the nose. Really? Yeah, you put him at the nose in passing situations. And you see a lot of teams do it. You see the um, Houston Texans do that with, with Merciless. And it's about you know, having a, a quick, fast-twitch guy over the ball that can really get quick penetration and get Tom Brady off his spot. Right. We know Tom Brady's not going to run, and if, he, and if he scrambles to his left, he's, he's really hard because he has to throw across his body. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not one of these guys that can really throw a super accurate pass, especially when you're there. So I think if you, you can generate more pressure a little bit if you put a fast twitch guy that's big enough to hold up against the run if they decide to say, okay, we're going we're gonna, to you know, get this guy off the ball. We're going to double team him and create a scene. You know, you want to have you know, a, a, a fast twitch guy there, but he can't be a Calvin Pace size type guy. He has to be one of these tweener type guys that can get quick you know, penetration because a center has to snap the ball in between his legs and try and put that hand up. So if you put a quick guy on the snap hand, you can get early penetration. The other thing with Coney is he continues to get his hand on the football. Absolutely. He's, he's Mutombo. He's pressing that pocket, but he's getting those hands up, and he had a couple PDs again Sunday. We got to teach him how to tip that ball up and not smack it down. Tip drill. Well, he did have the interception against Jacksonville. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. But what I'm saying is now he's, he's getting his hands on a lot of balls. You don't want to bat the ball down. Right. You want to bat the ball up because more of your defenders are looking at the ball opposed to the offense who's engaged in blocking. So you have a greater opportunity to get that pick. So Bart putting his defensive coordinator hat on for the next I matchup stay, I, with I, the I, Patriots. You're saying maybe a little bit more Double team of Gronk and maybe shift Ely inside. So we'll have to see. Trust me, I stayed at Holiday Inn Express. I know these things. Okay, man. Uh, but the Jets will not play the Patriots until New Year's Eve. We got a long ways to go. So the Jets will indeed face Jay Cutler in Miami this week. A couple weeks ago at MetLife Stadium, they secured their first victory this season really in dominating fashion over the Dolphins. But this will be a Dolphins team that has a lot of momentum. So, come, uh, a, a little momentum. Eh? Yo, Jay Listen, Cut you, you Jay come, Cutler, you man. coming back from I a, think he's missing the booth. They, they came back from a 17-point deficit they at did. Atlanta, a team who was in the Super Bowl last year. What they're really doing well in Miami, the defense is playing well. Yes. Off, offense is scuffling down there. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, it's, it's important. You, you're going down there as the weather starts to change here. The weather's still heating up down there. So, you know, that's always something that you have to address. You want to make sure you get off the field on, on third down. As they should try. They're probably trying to use the weather to their advantage, um, maybe change up the tempo. 
you know, but if you get to Jay Cutler early, he'll shut it down. And I think that's what you have to look to do. You have to make sure that they can establish, establish Jay Ajayi, um, and, and you have to make sure you get off the field on third down. When you mean shut it down, what is that? Shut what are you down. saying from a player's perspective? You, you, you Let's go. You, Keep you, it real. You, you can't let Ajayi get confidence. You can't let him run downhill. He's a volume. He's a volume runner. You know, so he needs 20, 25 carries, and he can bust it as he gets stronger later in the game. So if you can get an early lead and establish an early lead in the game, they'll go away from that run game, and then you put it in the hands of Jay Cutler, and he usually won't let you down. That train's usually never late. Well, listen, we are going to talk to Brian Winters here momentarily. Yeah, We're going to bring in. He swagged out a little bit. Got the ripped knee going on, <laughs> the zippers. What? Looking swaggy. Hey, listen. The, the Much swagger than the mangoes. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Fans on NewYorkJets.com and Facebook are going to be able to see that here momentarily. But uh, speaking of the offense, Josh McCown, 54 dropbacks against the Patriots. I know everything is game plan specific, but we're, we're crea creating balance early in the season. So Okay, let's create a tease because we, we got to go to break. So create a little tease. We're going to tease Brian a little radio. Okay. A little radio ed etiquette. Uh, okay. So Brian Winters is on deck. On deck. Come back. We'll be right back on Inside the Jets. See how I did that? All right, once again, great crowd here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits. Ought to see this man. Brian Winters now joins Name us. you and me. Our player guest segment is presented by M&T Bank, the official community bank of the New York Jets. Let's bring in the aforementioned Brian Winters in. Folks, uh, Robbie Anderson is also in the house. He is up next. Uh, Robbie over there in the corner. But first off, Brian. What was the mood of the team today after a three-game winning streak came to an end? My feeling in the locker room last night and then listening to the conference calls today is there is an expectation of winning, and bottom line, no moral victories. Nobody was happy with yesterday's outcome. But it's always a but. No, <laughs> no. Well, you know, going into this, well, today we have the 24-hour rule. You know, can't bring it back up. You know, there's obviously some iffy calls in that game. You know, I, saw, I thought as a whole team we played, played our asses off, played really well. Um, but like I said, going into, going into today, we couldn't really think about it. We got another division opponent ahead of us, so we just got to turn our attention to them. Yeah, they're going to be thinking uh, payback as well. Um, you know, this is a Disney Channel, man, so I don't know if you want to go with okay. the uh... – Okay, okay, swearing. <laughs> no, no, I'm messing no, with you. No, I'm messing with you. He's okay. We're on, listen, we're on Facebook. Listen, you know, um, Josh dropped back, a, what, 40 times? 54 times. 54. 54 no. times, and for the most part, you guys kept him clean. Um, this unit seems to be coming together. How are you guys building so much chemistry together? You know, you're taking, you know, lose Mango, the guy who's yep. a blue guy for you guys. Yep. How are you guys coming together as a unit so quickly? You know, obviously in the offseason we added a few pieces with Kelvin Beecham. Um, you know, when you get new players in, you know, the biggest thing is chemistry. You got to work with each other, you know, offseason, hang out with them off the field, kind of learn, you know, what type of person they are. Um, but game by game, I feel like we're only growing. You know, you have your hiccups here and there, but you feel, you know what, the, you know, you know what they're going to do next to you, and you know how to work off them, and that's going to continue to build. What was the atmosphere like at MetLife for you guys as players when you took that 14 nothing lead against the Patriots? It was awesome. I, I thought we were going to continue to roll. Yeah. I was like, man, this is going to be great. You know, we come out with two series, two touchdowns. I was excited, but, you know, the atmosphere is great. It's building. Like Bart said, you know, every game, you know, we're getting more and more crowd. So 
That's awesome. What changed in between that point where you take the 14-0 lead on Curley's touchdown until the fourth quarter? Because Josh talked about today, Josh McCown talked about, we got to do a better job converting on third and shorts. I guess three, three and for nine. Yeah. Three and nine on third and four. Third and fourth downs of four yards or less. What, right. what, what, I guess a, a, another question. What were they doing, and why were they successful? What kind of defense were they playing? What kind of looks were they giving you guys? They started loading the box, you know, more towards that. Um, so it was tough for us. You know, they saw on film, obviously, when it gets down in that distance, what are you going to do? You're going to run the ball. Right. So they'd load the box up, and, you know, obviously they, they, they stopped us more than we got it. So Now, you know, talk, and looking at the Jacksonville game, you know, they had nine men in the box. You know, and you guys were, you know, looked like pretty much in sync, letting the backside guy go, climbing up to the second level. Um, what's the difference between blocking for the different backs, Bilal, Matt, McGuire? What's the difference when they get in? You know, Matt, Matt's, a, Matt's a reader. You know, that's, that's been his claim to fame. You know, when we run outside zone, he's always a guy who's real good with looking at cutbacks and all that. Bilal's a downhill guy for his size. You know, he hits the hole and he goes. And uh, McGuire, I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, you know, I don't, <laughs> Just one cut and go. Yeah, huh? yeah, exactly. So I'm still trying to figure him out. But Rookies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, John Morton, I think, has done a really good job early on because when you guys struggled uh, to run the football in those first two games, he said, we're going to find a way to run it. And like Barb was talking about, you're countering nine-man boxes, eight-man boxes sometimes by going big, going two tight ends, bringing Tomlinson in there, and then having Brent Qualley as an extra lineman up front. Yeah, you know, the biggest thing is that he's trying to simplify things, make it easier for us, you know. So, like you said, we're bringing in extra hats. You know, obviously they're loading the box, so we've got to bring in the extra big guys. But his biggest thing is to simplify the game and make it easier for us. What was the expectation of, for this team when you guys were there in training camp and you had to face all these questions? What are the Jets doing? Do you, you guys really have a chance this year internally? What were your expectations for this team once around training camp reached a conclusion? We really can't pay attention to the outside noise. Um, I know the type of people we have in the locker room. I know the type of players we have in the locker room. And that's all we have. So the people that are in there, you know, we're riding with. And obviously we're doing a great job now. We're shutting people up. But, you know, it doesn't stop here. You know, we've got to continue to work. You know, we, we know this is a copycat league, so how do, what, what's the adjustments that you're going to have to make? Because next week, you know, you go against the Dolphins. You know, they played you before, you know, so they're going to load the box as well. You know, what's the difference in going against a guy like Adama Sue and, and Wake on the outside? They have outside pressure and inside pressure. How are you, how you guys going to slow those guys down? Because we know how important it is for you to establish a run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this past game, you know, those kind of guys are more two-gap players. These guys are explain, explain to the people listening to Gap because I don't think they understand. What Hat readers, they come off the ball and look at you. That's all they so do. So they're not trying to get penetration. They're not one gap penetration. They're not trying to get depth in the back, but they're trying to stalemate you at the exactly. line. They're trying to occupy so a guy like Bark can come exactly. and make the tackle. Exactly. Um, but Nadamkin, you know, I got great respect for him. He's a great player. Uh, Wake, same thing. But you know, we just, you know, the biggest thing is we run at them. You know, after a while, they're going to get tired. Um, we just got to continue to pound the ball. We got to work on every little thing and, you know, just take this game like any other. Without giving away state secrets, you've had success against Ndamukong Sue. Uh, you actually broke into the starting lineup a couple years ago when Willie went out and you guys were in London and 
here you came and everybody was talking about, wow, the Jets are going to have problems on the interior. And you showed your potential there. And then obviously you've grown into a very good lineman in this league. But what has that matchup been like going against Sue? Just another guy. I mean, everyone. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> everyone, Nameless, faceless object. Everyone in the NFL is good. So, um, yeah, he's got a name and everything. He could scare people, but, I mean, I really don't care. Yeah. No. Personally, personally, how has your journey uh, gone? You know, you go from, you know, being part of an offensive line that has, I believe, a borderline Hall of Famer in Nick yep. Mango to you really – having to take that leadership role. What are some of the steps? What did you have to do to, to, to step into that, into that role? It was, it was great, obviously, coming in uh, my rookie year and learning from him. You know, he's an Ohio guy. I'm an Ohio guy, so he kind of took me under his wing. Um, he just taught me the ropes, you know, taught me football pretty much. You know, I came from a small school, so obviously football there wasn't, wasn't <laughs> the biggest thing. So I always tell people I went to 13th grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Brian, of course, went to Kent State. Uh, they aforementioned Nick Mangold played uh, uh, up the road at Ohio, Ohio State. State. James Harrison. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, no, but he taught me a lot of things, you know, on and off the field. But taking over, I, I wouldn't say necessarily taking over his role, but, you know, being the, you know, the, the veteran player in the offensive room, you know, guys lean on you. So you got to be there and, you know, have, if they got questions, you got to answer them. The offensive line, it's all about cohesion. And I found throughout the course of covering the National Football League close to two decades is that that's always one of the tighter units in the locker room. Do you guys get together on your own once a week? And is there a big dinner plan? We, not, no, uh, we get together a good amount. I wouldn't say every week, but we're always doing something, you know. If it's not always all of us together, but there's always a good amount of, good amount of us together. Uh, but we try to stay together on and off the field. What about your offensive line coach, Steve Marshall? What can you tell fans about him? And I know you've really enjoyed working under his tutelage. Yeah, he's a great, he's a great coach. Uh, he's taught me a lot. He's taught me a lot about the game in general. Um, he works well with young guys. He's just, he's just a great coach all around. How about technique-wise? How has he helped you? He's a lot. Um, you know, the biggest thing, you know, you know, I had Coach Devlin coming in. And then, <laughs> Dev. Yeah, Coach Dev coming in and then, you know, Coach Marshall. And, you know, he taught me different techniques that fit my play style better, and, you know, it's worked out well. How about this, Bart? This guy's training regimen in offseason. He, oh, he, he doesn't like to run, so he pulls around. <laughs> he doesn't like me bringing it up, but he pulls trucks. So maybe in the parking lot tonight we can – tie a rope around him and uh, see if he can uh, take one of the trucks for a ride. Well, he can have a second career with the world's strongest man, you know, because that's My one goal. of the competitions right there. There it is. Absolutely. Well, uh, what did you, you used to do when you no, were no, playing no. offseason? Well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a boxing guy, yep. so I, I did a lot of boxing. It's good for your hand-eye coordination. It's good for you to see a target. No different from a closed fist or open hand, being able to jam somebody, being able to get your hand, shoot them inside, you know, um, but yeah, pulling trucks, nah, I, I ain't about that life. <laughs> so, Brian, what do, you, uh, what do you guys have to do as offensive linemen? Because everybody talks about the hand-to-hand -hand combat that's so important for you to be successful. So how do you work in your hands? You got to be faster than them. Yeah. That's the, big, that's but, the biggest thing. But drill-wise. Yeah, we do a lot of drills. You're punching um, bumpers, man. Yeah. <laughs> we, got the, we got the hand shields out there, you know, the boxing shields that we work on. We work on combination punches and all that. And, you know, ball throws and 
all different types of drills Coach Marshall puts together for us. But, you know, gets our gets our hands moving and gets our hands working. So you're saying we're not going to put the, uh, the miles per hour meter on you when you out there pulling? No. We're not going to get no, no top speed no, like no, 15, 20 no, miles an hour? No top speed. Uh, real, real, real quickly before the break, uh, Bart likes to look at the wardrobe and assess yeah, man. how folks are doing. What do you think about the ensemble tonight? I'm, I'm going to tell you what, you're you killing Beecham, man. He came here with a oh, Nike God, Nike Don't get golf me started shirt, with Beecham's clothes. A pink uh, and I look like he has some bugle boy jeans on, man. So <laughs> listen, you need to pull him to the side, man. Bugle boy, I don't think people remember that. All right, so Brian Winters, thank you so much for joining us on Inside the Jets. We'll be right back with Robbie Anderson. All right, folks, last chance to join the Jets for the Green and White 5K on October 22nd at the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center. A portion of their proceeds will benefit the Carol G. Simon Cancer Center at Morristown Medical Center. And the post-race game watch party is right here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits. Go to nycruns.com slash Jets5K to sign up now. Bart? I might be there for moral support, man. Maybe this man can run a 5K. Man, Brian ain't, ain't about that life. This man, of course, is Jets receiver Robbie Anderson. Give it up. Robbie, you attended Plantation High School down in South Florida. Oh, man, my book. No, nah, South Plantation. South Plantation. Oh, let's get it right. Plant middle, is, is that uh, uh, <laughs> is, is, is South Plantation? Is that where uh, where whatever you put in the soil gets pushed up, or that's somewhere else? Might be. Oh, uh, scratch that. Scratch that. All right. I have bad research. That anyway. That's about 15 minutes away from uh, Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins play. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Uh, did you play there at all during high school? No, nah, I never played at Dolphin Stadium in high school. Were you growing up? You were born in Jersey. Yeah. But you did spend some time down there in South Florida. Who were you a fan of growing up? I was always um, a Giants fan growing up. My what? family was Giants fans. Yeah. Now, that might be the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life, man. Why's that? But he's he's from Jersey. It's okay. Originally, how many years okay. in Jersey were you? I lived in Jersey for about three years. Three. Oh, that's it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so most most of your childhood down in South Florida, though. Yeah, I'm a Florida boy. <laughs> hey, Robbie, we were talking about it before. Had you ever seen anything like that as far as that flag that was picked up? They called helmet-to-helmet -helmet contact there on the sideline. McCown went up looking for you down uh, by the home sideline, and, and there's a flag. Then you see a meeting, and then... What's your recollection of everything that happened, your reaction? I'm going to just say I play the game. You know, I don't really make the calls, you know. Yeah. And it's not my place to be talking about that. So, you know. Well, i tell you what. That, that. I'm, I'm going to send you to the Kerry Rose School of Acting, man. You got to go You got to go Ginobili on that, man. So next time that happens, you got to do the flop. You got to do the soccer flop, man. You got to sell it, man. You got to sell it. That was a big call, you know. And, yeah. and, of course, you can't say that, but, you know. I'm not paid by the NFL anymore, so I can preach for you. Listen, whenever you, somebody makes contact, helmet contact, hit him underneath the chin, you see the helmet spin around. I've never really seen a referee get overturned on something that another referee said because it, you're either helmet to helmet or you're not. Right. And, you know, that's, that's not a judgment call. It, it either happened or it didn't. And usually when a, or the referee throws that flag, nobody can overturn it because he saw what he saw. Right, because you know, he's so, right there. So, uh, so – so we're, move, we're going to move on from the refs. R Robbie, so far this season, how's the chemistry going between you and Josh? I it's going pretty good. Um, early in that ball game, you had to step 
Um, Josh has appeared just under threw you a little bit. Otherwise, you might have been taking one to the house there in the first half. Do you see that? What do you see when you came in here Monday? Oh, I mean, I think collectively, as a group and as a team, it's plays that we and opportunities and moments that we need to capitalize on more to finish our ball games. Now, now the team utilized your speed to, to, to really eat up the safeties and blow the top off the defense. You made some additions with Curse and Curly, and I always say that they're professional receivers. Mm -hmm. And I say that not, because, not as, a, as a slight, but they know the, the, uh, the nuances of how to, to get open because they, they don't possess the same speed that you have. Yeah. What have you learned from those guys, and what have you tried to add to, their, to your game based off what you see those guys doing practice every day? Well, you know, more than anything, I see with them, they are comfortable, you know, on the field. You know, some people play a little tense and put too much expectations on themselves and things like that. You know, they, they go out there and they have fun, and they work their technique, and they do what they've been doing, you know. You were in this position last year that Chad Hansen and our Darius Stewart are in right now rookies trying to make their marks in the national football league what kind of advice have you given those guys robbie oh uh, you know just like i was told you know it's not so it's big thing what you do on the field but a big part of taking care of yourself off the field take care of your body you know it's a lot different than college and just learning how to be a pro what have you thoughts uh what are your thoughts on john morton's system so far and and, and how much you've liked um operating it I like, the, I like the offense, you know. It's a lot of ways for all of us to be utilized and, you know, do what we're best at. And it's a lot of ways that we can get open and work our offense. And, you know, it's a lot of different things and nuances that he has that's a little bit different than last season. Now, teams, teams of, of course, when you come in, the scouting report is back up. This guy's fast. Yeah. And um, I know a lot of times they have the safety over the top of you. Mm. Have you um, went in and tried to see if you can get more um, – more snaps and more routes from the slot where they, they can't jam you and play two-man on you? I think that'll open it up for you, maybe running speedos across the field yeah. and things of that sort? Yeah, definitely. I, it sound, I like the idea of that right there. My, See, you know what I'm saying? saying? Now, so you played defensive coordinator before, Bart, now you're going uh, well, well, your OC hat on. Well, I, I just know how difficult it is when you have somebody that's fast. Right. And then usually if you put somebody in the slot, if they're not matching up, Robbie will get stuck on their third – corner usually the two best corners outside and you have a guy there on a slot but then he can't get his hands on you. usually that guy is supposed to be quick he's not a guy that really has long speed so if you put a guy like Robbie in the slot he gets a free release and there's no way that that guy can keep up with him and he can do so much damage in the middle of the field by attacking the safeties rather than two man or one man and you can really run routes off the other side last year you saw the Jets really struggle with Speedos and double speedos happen to, to really pass. And what a speedo is to the listeners out there is really an over route. But what happens is you either have to grab it from the front side with that safety and the backside corner has to replace the safety. And it's, it's when a guy has speed, you can really, you know, do things. And watching you play, Robbie, I don't know if you really remember this guy, but you remind me of um, a young Chris Henry. And coming in the league, he has some Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals who unfortunately, um, you know, lost his life in an accident. You know, and the progression for him was to really work the routes from the double moves and make the deep routes look just like the short routes so that, you know, guys can, you know, he's going to get cushions. And, and um, you know, I would like to see that happen. You talk about the progression and, and how we, we attack and put more points on the board. I'd like to see Robbie in the slot. So I'll say it because he can't. 
Robbie, how has it changed now, uh, defenses in year two, as opposed to, hey, maybe last year they're seeing you for the first time and saying, oh, that guy's got some skills. Now they've seen you on tape and they've seen you do some damage in this league. So how do they approach you differently, the biggest differences? I think they don't, they're a little more familiar with me, but they got to recognize what's going on on the field and what they see on film. And I think a lot of guys, when they get on the field and they see my speed, it, it's kind of like a little jaw-dropping. There's been times that I've heard corners like, I'm not even going to run with you. I'm not going to waste my time. You really? got that. You know what I'm saying? So it's different. Yeah. So so who did you look up to? Who who did you idolize as far as the receiver position growing up? Ocho. Ocho, ah. Nice. A, a, a tremendous route runner. Yeah. <laughs> and a guy who, as we know, you work with this summer. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's helped your progress yeah, yeah, as well. Me, me and Ocho had plenty of beef being in the AFC North, man. He, he was funny, man. We had, we had some media beef, man. He, but you, you can't deny that, you know, he was a guy that could, you know, I watched him and Chris McCallister have some hell of a battles, man. So if you learn from that guy, you know, you know he's one of the best to ever do it, in my opinion. Uh, all right. So the Floridian is going home this weekend. Robbie, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Inside the Jets. And we'll be right back. See y'all in Miami. Forget it, buddy. All right. Welcome back to Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits. The Mad Backer I tell you what, is man. upset. Robbie's energy has me pumped, man. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Bart. Uh, Jets, Dolphins, week seven. I think this is going to tell a lot about this football team. Well, it's going to tell a lot about their maturity because, yep. you know, you can't assume because you beat somebody before that you can beat them with the same game plan. They're going to make the necessary adjustments. It's at their house. Every advantage that you have by playing at home the first time, you're not going to have. Um, and you're going to have to go into a hostile environment. They're coming off a little momentum. You're coming off of a loss. This is a very important game. You don't want to go dip below 500. You want to stay above 500. This thing is wide open. And you just play hard. You never know where you're going to end up. But you got to win the games that you, know, you should win. And this should definitely be one of them. How much of a factor is the heat and humidity down in Florida well, that's what pickle, Mid, late October. That's what pickle juice and pita light is for. You want to make sure you hydrate. You want to make sure, you know, if you're going to drink, you know, Brian, this is the last drink for the week because, you know, that, 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 that comes in with the effect. And, you, listen, you never know what to prepare for. You know, you prepare for two minutes all game right. and hope that you're able to run the ball and eat the clock up and, you know, you know, defense is able to, you know, give you the ball back. You're able to get a lead. But you never know. And it can be tough. You know, it can be tough. In because October, uh, because I, the attendance-wise – I've been there plenty of times, and it never feels so packed with Dolphin fans. Well, in fact, it is, a lot of Jets are down. Uh, Jets fans are down well, in South Florida. Well, what does people from Jersey and New York do? They hibernate for the winter, and then they hibernate post-up career. So, you know, a lot of people go down there to, to, to live out their uh, retirement years. So it's a lot of representation. And Miami is an international type of city, much like New York. Um, but, you know, you don't have the – the long, lifelong fans because there's a lot of international people, people from different cities that go down there to live. So, you know, they can be fans from all over the place. And, you know, one thing I do know, they will turn. So, uh, but I, I, my thing is, I think it is a clear home field advantage because of the weather, not because of any other factor. In fact, I've been down there where it's became a Jets home game. Exactly. Well, you know why it's such a factor? You know, it, it, well, well, I don't think it is as big as of a factor this time because – you know, we're just leaving September here. Right. So, the, you know, the team is played. Where it really comes into effect is when you're sitting here in the snowflakes at home and you're flying down there in December, 
January. Um, I think they'll be fine. And it's, it is tough for uh, Miami players to win down there as well because it's one of those cities that's always alive, and you always got a couple knuckleheads that's going to go to the strip club, that's going to go to the bars, that's going to hang out. You know, Art Baskell will be going on down there. The boat show will be down there. You know, so there's always something going on. Those players lack focus. What will change, do you think, uh, in terms of the Dolphins, a team that really took a beating up here, how will they approach playing this Jets team differently? Well, and, and speaking to, you know, people that I know within the organization, they actually really look at the Jets as their biggest rivalry. Okay. You know, I think it's ingrained in their organization that, you know, this is a rivalry game. I never felt that here, you know, but they believe it's a rivalry. So they're going to be riled up and say, hey, it's Jets week, it's payback time. So they're going to come out and it's going to be very important that the Jets match their intensity early on. Because if you let them feel like it's going to be different, um, then you can, you're going to deal with a team that believes and a team that's going to play with enthusiasm. But if you get, you know, get in their heads early, you get Jay Cutler down, pointing fingers, you, know, you, get, you get the low blood sugar Jay Cutler, and he'll start pointing fingers and start throwing the ball away, looking for an opportunity to get out. I don't want to oversimplify things, but the Jets have to win the turnover battle here. What I saw Sunday, because this is a Miami team that's averaging 12 points a game, and they're only giving up 17 points a game. Well, absolutely. It's, it's going to be a defensive battle, but, you know, I think whoever established the run is going to open the, open the field up for everybody for the down the field, you know, action. And I love to see the special teams get involved in some big return. you got to continue to flip the, the field and make Jay Cutler have to march down the field to score. And opposed, you want to be on a short field so you can get on the board early. Uh, offensively, let's see if the Jets can – Create some balance down there so that McCown's not going back 54 times. Yeah, absolutely. Party at, at, at Brian's house this week, going to have a pep talk with the offensive line, get him right, and he's going to give him a uh, gift card to sack so they can get their swag up. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Especially Beecham, man. I don't know, man. Them Bugle Boy jeans really bother <laughs> you. Can't get over Beecham, huh? So, uh, and then you look at this division right now. Wide open. You think so? It's wide open. Patriots on top, four and two. The Bills are playing good defense early in the season themselves, three and two. Dolphins, three and two. Jets, three and three. The AFC, everybody has holes. Yeah. The Raiders, the Steelers, the Ravens, you don't know who you got from week to week. This thing is wide open. You play hard. You win the games you're supposed to win. You look up in late November, you see where you're at. All right. So the Jets have an opportunity to get to four and three this weekend, even their record in the division at two and two. For Bart Scott, I'm Eric Allen. Thanks to everybody here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirit and Brian Winters. Thanks, and of Robbie. course, Robbie Anderson. Thanks, Robbie. We'll I, see you all next week. I fell asleep, Robbie. Thank you. <laughs>